Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle. My name is Alex. I'm your host. This is episode 21. As always, go to thedadchronicle.com to check out some of our old episodes. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That definitely helps folks just find the show. We want to share all these stories of fatherhood um, as widely we want to cast as wide a net as possible so we appreciate all the support so far and today is a somewhat new friend of mine he is a co-worker this is steve steve say hi to the nice people at home hello nice people at home there we go steve is uh he is a trainer where we work and um we met and he shared his uh, a very brief glimpse of his experience with fatherhood and i looked at him i was like dude i gotta have you on the show so, so, Steve, why don't you introduce yourself to the nice people at home? Well, my name is Steve Bullington, and I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I am uh, born and raised in a small town on the north side that my family first moved to in 1833. And uh, I live I live here about a mile from my parents and uh, only have uh, one of my three children left here at home with us. I have uh, three kids, and unlike a lot of your guests, Alex, uh, my kids are actually your age, so my oldest, Luke, is 29, uh, my daughter, Katie, is 27, and my youngest son, Jack, is 25. Wow. Yeah, I, so I'm 29, just to put in perspective for people. Um, so Steve's old enough to be my dad. He's got a lot more experience in this whole fatherhood thing than, than I do, so so cheers to you. And and it, you also have a um, an interesting um, backstory because two of your children have autism. One of them is severely handicapped, um, and, and we will talk a little bit about what um, that means, what, what, what that's done for you as a parent, um, and how some of the ways that you, uh, you work with them, and, and I'm sure it takes a lot of patience. Um, but first, why don't we talk a little bit about um, what it was like uh, just you becoming a father for the first time 29 years ago? 20, yeah. Um, I, I literally can remember the day my wife told me she was pregnant. I can picture it like it was yesterday. We were in our first house. I was working at home. We had a kind of a makeshift office set up in the back in one of the spare bedrooms. And uh, I was sitting there. I think I was actually typing a paper for her because she was working on her master's degree at the time. And uh, she came in and sat down on this old brown couch that we had in that room and didn't say anything. And I was typing away. And I finally turned around. And she just looks at me with tears are streaming down her face. And she said, I'm pregnant. And it was like, holy cow, you know, we'd only been married uh, about a year or uh, probably about a year and a half. And uh, it was just, I, I just remember just this wave that flowed over the top of me at the time. And, uh, you know, so we, I think at that point, you know, literally you start telling yourself the stories of what it's going to be like to be a dad. And, you start to, you know, you think back to the the things you did with your dad and with your parents, and, and you start to kind of line those stories up with with your own childhood, and you know that that, uh, and then one day this little person comes along, and those stories either uh, start to live out or uh, or not. <laughs> yeah, and what's your your firstborn's name? Luke. Luke. All right. So we have Luke, who's 29. And then 
comes along your daughter. Yeah, and uh, at the time, my wife was a special ed teacher. She has a master's degree in special education. So, you know, when Luke was born, um, she went, you know, went back to back to teaching, and and then uh, finished her master's degree, and and then when Katie was born, uh, she finished out that school year, and we realized that uh, by the time we played paid daycare for two kids and and gas for her to drive to work, she was netting about a hundred dollars a week. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, so uh, she actually then after that school year stopped teaching and started doing in-home daycare, and she did in-home daycare for about five years, uh, so she could be home with the kids and and really was making probably netting more money uh, on a weekly basis. She only kept teachers' kids, so she worked the same kind of schedule. So she was off at Christmas, she was off in the summers. Um, but it, you know, it, uh, we didn't, we didn't expect that that would, you know, always be the case. Uh, the thought was, well, you know, when Katie goes on to school, um, she would go back to teaching and, uh, little did we know that, uh, here we are, uh, 27 years later and, and she's, uh, found a whole new path in life that, uh, uh, because of what we've experienced with the boys. That's amazing. And what is the difference in age between Katie and Jackson again? So uh, Luke's Luke's twenty nine. Luke just turned twenty nine right. last week. Right. Um, Katie Katie is twenty seven and a half, and then uh, Jackson just turned twenty five in July. So there's a there's about a little just a month over month or so over four years between them. Very cool. And you um, you mentioned to me prior to the show that. Um, that Luke has cerebral palsy. He's um, he is severely handicapped. Um, what at what point in his life did you realize that? Was that at birth, or did that develop later? Yeah, it really it manifested itself later. So he was born very early. He was born at about thirty-one weeks. Wow. Uh, and in fact, um, you know, it was we literally obviously weren't expecting it. I was not. I was on an airplane when Jan went into labor. I was working for a company in Jackson, Mississippi at the time and was flying back home. And this was back in the days when, you know, you could actually walk all the way down to the gate uh, with, with someone. So normally Jan would pick me up and she'd meet me at the gate and I got to the gate and nobody was there. And I thought, well, you know, she's, she's you know seven, almost eight months. She's eight months pregnant. That's not too surprising. So I walked down to baggage claim and as I came down the escalator, I looked up and there stood my dad and I thought, okay, this is this is unusual. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, "Well, get your bag. We're going to the hospital. You're you're having you're going to be a dad today." And uh, we went uh, went to the hospital, went to the women's hospital here in Indianapolis. And I walked in, and they threw me into scrubs. And uh, less than an hour after I got off the plane, I had a newborn baby boy. So amazing. Uh, so, you know, he was, he was very small. He was, in fact, all three of the kids were right about five pounds. Um, and so he spent, I think, 15 days in the NICU uh, after he was born. And literally, you know, the hardest thing I had ever experienced in my life up to that point was uh, driving Jan home through, you know, about three, day, three four days later uh, and leaving, leaving our child behind. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that was, uh, that was 
to that point in my life, truly the worst experience that I had ever had. So, oh my God, I couldn't imagine. Uh, yeah, so but it really it didn't manifest itself. I mean, he was slow, you know, on the motor skills side, and we really didn't, you know, pay. You know, we thought, okay, he'll catch up. He was a preemie, all that, and we really never worried too much about anything until literally one night we heard a noise um and he was having a grand mal seizure oh my god and he was uh he was about almost three at the time and uh you know obviously jan jan being a special ed teacher she you know she saw it i actually had two cousins um that i was very close to as a as a child that both had seizure disorders and so that really was the beginning of the adventure of diagnosis. So, uh, you know, that led to the, the diagnosis both of the cerebral palsy and of the autism. Uh, autism typically manifests itself at around age three. Right. And, uh, and then as, as he progressed along, then we started to understand his, uh, his intellectual disabilities as well. And he, today at 29, functions at about a 18 to 20 month old level oh, wow. uh, intellectually. So, what was that like seeing your baby son having a grand mal seizure? I mean, wh what did you do? Um, well, we, we immediately made two phone calls one to 911 and one to my parents. Uh, my parents live about a mile, ha have always lived about a mile or so from us. Um, and so, and it was in, it was the middle of the night. I think it was about one o'clock in the morning. So, um, it honestly was, was truly the most terrifying thing, um, that had ever happened to me. I mean, he, he literally, and he had, you know, significant seizures, uh, that would last, you know, three and four hours. Oh, wow. Which is highly, un highly unusual. Normally a, a seizure will last, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so, and then yeah. it's a break. And, um, until we, we got him fully kind of regulated, um, he, he would have long seizures to the point we would, uh, they gave us medication that we would give him at home when he started one. And then we had, we had kind of a rule that, if the seizure broke before we got him to the hospital, because we would just drive him to the hospital uh, later on as he got older, five, six years old. And if the seizure stopped before we got to the hospital, we'd just go back home. Really? Um, so, it, you know, uh, because, I mean, all, he, all they weren't going to do anything that we couldn't do, which was basically That's by fair. that point, he was going to just sleep it off. Um, so, you know, we would get, uh, I remember one time I had him out on a bike ride. And I had a I had a trailer behind the bike, and we were about probably two and a half miles from home, and he started to have a seizure in in the bike trailer, and uh, that's probably the the fastest bicycle ride I've ever made in the thirty years that I've been riding bikes. Um, got home, gave him gave him the medication, you know, put him in his car seat headed towards the hospital and, and literally, you know, got about a mile from home and the seizure broke and, you know, we turned around, went back home, put him in bed and took a deep breath. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing you can do for them in those situations. I feel, I, I don't even know, like, what do you do for kids as they're having the seizure? 
Yeah, literally, I mean, we kept prescription medication on hand, um, which was the exact same thing they would have given him, you know, at the hospital. So we, we always had that with us, either in the house or, you know, if we were, you know, going up to, to Jan's parents or something, we would have it with us. Um, because, you know, we would give it to him. It basically, you know, kind of jolts the the electrical system. And uh, and then he would, you know, he would sleep then anywhere, usually, you know, from eight to ten hours after he'd have one. Because, you know, the other thing is it was particularly, you know, before we got him well-regulated, you know, you figure every muscle in your body being tense and twitching for three and four hours. I mean, you're just, I, I, you'd have to be exhausted after that. Oh, absolutely. So, so, uh, so that was, you know, and then through, you know, daily medications over the course of time, we really, um, really got that regulated. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head, knocking on wood. Um, the last time he had a seizure, I mean, it's, it he was in high school at the time so it's been you know at least 10 plus years ago since he's had one and and that really is you know finding the right you know the right diet you know diagnosis of of medications and dosages and all that so certainly and then you have katie coming along and what was the feeling when she was born was there a concern well, because he hadn't been diagnosed yet, this he all of this happened after she was born. I see. So we we didn't think about it really with her at all, um, but we did we did with Jackson immediately because he was he was also premature. I think he was born at, at thirty three weeks. Oh wow! He was also five pounds. And so we we just kind of assumed, you know, we assumed for the worst and hoped for the best and, and made our plans, you know, accordingly around that. But we, you know, you can always know that he's not going to have it, uh, but you can't, you know, you can't pretend that, you know, he doesn't have it. So, sure. uh, so I think we were much more prepared for Jackson, certainly, than we were for, for Luke and uh you know it, that that didn't make it any easier, but it's uh, you know you at least knew what you were you were facing then. And sure. you know one of the biggest challenges when you when you look back, you know you know now almost 26 years when we started down this journey is there wasn't you know discussions around autism like there is today. There wasn't you know the the public awareness of autism that there is today and you know that makes it a much lonelier place uh, as a family because you kind of think you're you're out there on your own what would you say life is like now with your three kids you mentioned two of them are out of the house at this point yeah so luke uh luke moved we we moved luke into a house about six years ago and he's in a house with uh with two roommates who have very similar um, intellectual disabilities, and they have tw- staff there that are with them 24 hours a day. So they're uh, they're all covered by something that's called the Medicaid waiver, which is specific to uh, people you know certain disabilities in Indiana. And so you know he gets additional support from the state uh, to cover, and that's what really covers the uh, the staffing, and then. Uh, Katie lives up in uh, outside of Chicago. Uh, she just bought her first house, and 
is a microbiologist for a food manufacturer up there. Wow. And then, yeah, and then Jackson lives here with us, and he works uh, two part-time jobs. He works at the library every day for three hours, uh, shelving books and and putting DVDs away and things like that. And then he works a couple days a week at a, at a Walgreens, uh, and he actually started that job when he was in high school, um, stocking shelves there. And then he... He swims. He, uh, he he's very active in Special Olympics. In fact, we had a we had a softball tournament today, so we uh, we were down playing softball all morning. And, very uh, cool. So, so he plays softball. He plays cornhole. He plays basketball. He bowls. He uh, does cycling, and uh, I think that's about it. So uh, so he keeps us very very busy and and. Uh, in fact, uh, my wife is at a Special Olympics event tonight. Uh, she's at a fundraiser tonight, and then we have a Special Olympics pool party tomorrow and a softball game on Monday and cornhole, cornhole practice on Thursday. So uh, we're pretty much like uh, you're going to be here in about five years. Yeah, I was about to say, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> you got some action-packed weekends. That's cool. Exactly. You exactly. know, autism is – there's a wide spectrum in how people yeah. are affected by autism. Um, it sounds like Jackson is uh, is functional, which is fantastic. I know folks who have kids that autism is really negatively impacting their life and, and how they're able to hold jobs and interact yep. with others. What do you think has contributed to Jackson's ability to hold a job and be social? Um, well, I think, it, I think it's several things. A, you know— we, by the time he was born, um, there were a lot more uh, support services that are available. So when Luke when Luke turned three, in the state of Indiana, they they started a pre, what they called a pre K program for special needs students or kids, and so Luke was literally in the very first class that there ever was for that in the state of Indiana, and so by the wow. time Jackson Jackson was at that age, I mean, there were just a lot more services. So Jackson started school at age three. Jackson was in school from age three till age 22. Because hmm. in Indiana, you can stay in the public schools until the year of your 22nd birthday. Really? So he, he, yeah, he turned 22 in July. So that May was his graduation day. And, you know, so that, that helped quite a bit that, that, there was an evolution of services. And then, you know, the other, the biggest thing, quite frankly, is, is my wife because, uh, a, she's amazing. And B, you know, she had literally had the formal training, um, and that, that, you know, gave her a foundation piece. And then she is just a relentless pursuer of knowledge and answers, uh, and, you know, she, the, the reason that, she has not ever returned to full-time work is because basically she is a full-time advocate for our sons and, uh, and helping other families that are going through, you know, similar adventures. Yeah. You know, Steve, I think one of the things that I really admire, especially hearing your story back at work when we first kind of talked about it was hearing about the resiliency that you and your wife have, um, towards, I mean, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. Yeah. Not everybody is fit to deal with this challenge. How has that been? I think, I think your wife is incredible. W what's that been like for your all's marriage? 
Um, you know, I, I interviewed for a job. I was interviewing for a job several years ago, Alex, and, and the, the vice president that was interviewing me said, asked me a question. He goes, tell me what you're most proud of in life. Or tell me what you're most proud of. And I said, well, personally or professionally? Because I, I don't care either one. I said, well, the fact that at the time my, my wife and I have been married for 23 years and we haven't gotten divorced. Uh, because the divorce rate for families with special needs kids is 75%. Yeah. And, you know, I attribute a significant part of the fact that we survived that to her because you know, I, I mentioned I started off talking about, you know, when she told me she was pregnant and I started having these, you know, telling myself these stories in my head. Well, then one day, all those, none of, I knew none of those stories were going to come true. And I really struggled with that for a long time. It took me about seven years from the time Luke was diagnosed to really get to a level of comfort that you know, I could deal with this. In fact, I worked, I worked at two different companies during the early part of Luke's uh, life, and no one knew I had a special needs child. Never really? talked about it, never, never brought it up, because <clears throat> I was, uh, A, I, I think I would, would felt guilty. I felt like it was probably my fault for some reason. And I, I felt angry because, you know, I wasn't going to get to play Little League or coach Little League, and we weren't going to be able to go to Disney World. And, right. you know, it, it took me a long time um, to work through all that. And, you know, Jan, you know, and she went through her own struggles. Um, she weighed about 120 pounds when we got married, and uh, about 11 years ago, she weighed 320 pounds, and she wow. had bariatric, and she ended up having bariatric surgery because... You know, I, I dealt with it by being angry, and she dealt with it by walking around with a can of Coke in her hand 24-7. Yeah. Um, and so she had bariatric surgery and uh, now does jazzercise four times a week and uh, makes me go on 15-mile bike rides every on Saturday guys. and Sunday every week. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, so it, it wasn't easy. And, I you know, what I would tell, you know, any of your listeners – that are you know, faced with this is you're not alone and all you got to do is ask. Um, we had a great example of it a few years ago. We had a, we had a family that we'd met through special Olympics. This was probably about five years ago. <clears throat> and their son is about the same age uh, as Jackson. I think he's a year or so younger than Jackson. And the parents would come. I remember vividly they'd come to, or the dad would come to bowling and he'd have a golf magazine, and he'd go in the bar and read the golf magazine, and he never—he literally never spoke to any of us. <clears throat> and his son would bowl, and then and then they'd leave. And he did this for an entire entire season, and then same kind of the same thing in basketball season. And then for some reason, I remember one day he stopped by our house to drop something off, and so we walked in. You know, we were standing in the front yard talking. And, you know, I said something like, so, you know, how are, how are things going? And he finally just like broke down, not, you know, not like crying, but I mean, he just like let it all come out in one long string of consciousness. And I think it was just that he felt like he was all alone going this journey. 
mm-hmm. he and his wife. And, and the reality of it is you're not. And, and really one of the best things that happened to us was when, you know, when we got in, after Luke moved out and Jackson got involved in Special Olympics, because we started, you know, networking with all these families who were all facing similar challenges. And uh, we've really found that, you know, our experience has been able to, to help, like, this dad in our front yard that day. And, and he, you know, he totally totally changed over the next year he started coaching special olympics um you know was took over a uh, as president of a nonprofit here in the county that supports uh adults with intellectual disabilities and you know in in about a three-year period i mean he literally went from i didn't even know what the guy's voice sounded like um to coaching basketball really and, you know that that to me is that recognition of, hey, other you know, other people, other people are out there that they're going through the same thing, and and you know they're not driving themselves insane. So yeah, you know, so to me that's the biggest thing because I, I went through that same thing. I mean, I you know, like I said, I never spoke about it in two two full jobs, probably over about six years period of time. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I kind of got my own head wrapped around it and started telling myself a new story that was a story that was achievable um, that I could, you know, I could be open and honest and, and forthright about it and, and share my story, which hopefully, you know, will help, help another dad out there. Absolutely. Like you're doing right now. This is going to be heard by dads. Uh, I get some listeners. I, I looked the other day. I had listeners in Australia, and uh, I had I think I had one in Japan. So we got people listening to this story well, good. around the world. That's pretty cool. So um, thank you for that. You know, one thing that I wanted to get a little bit more insight on, you mentioned your father earlier. What sort mm-hmm. of impact did he have on the way that you approach fatherhood today? Um. <clears throat> So my dad, I, I, I like to tell people I came from a factory family. So uh, my dad graduated from high school. He went in the Army. He got out of the Army. He went to work for Eli Lilly and at uh, the tender age of 54 uh, retired from Eli Lilly. And, and even now at, at uh, the age of 77 is still working. Uh, he works for a car dealership driving cars and moving cars around. And and so, you know, the, the biggest thing that I, I really learned – is you know everything he did he did for us right and so you know what i've tried to learn is you know the family your kids are are the number one priority and they need to be you know the underlying reason that you do whatever you do and uh and i also learned that you know you don't you don't hand them everything on a platter i started working i started mowing yards when i was 12 uh, I went to work at a gas station at 15. I went to work at the Dairy Queen at 16 and, and basically have have held a job, uh, been getting a paycheck from somebody since age 15. Wow, good for you. And, uh, you know, when Katie was uh, 12, she went and got her babysitting certification and uh, started working at a restaurant at 12, worked at a Papa John's all you know, from high school all through college and graduated from college two weeks later, moved to Chicago and had a job working as a uh, 
uh, an analyst for a food manufacturer up there. So, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of parents do is, or at least I see in the community we're in, is, you know, they so over-program their kids that there isn't time for them to have that kind of responsibility. And and as a guy who hires people and has hired people in the past, and, and I've over the first couple, the last couple of years ran a program for recent college grads. And one of the most important questions I asked him in the screening uh, call was, tell me about the first job you ever got a paycheck for. And then tell me what's the most important thing you learned from it. <clears throat> because if, you know, their first job was their senior year in college working in the, uh, in the bookstore or something, you know, that was probably not somebody who was going to, fit with what I was looking for. But, sure. you know, the, the ones that I did hire were like, well, I started coaching or I started umpiring, you know, little league at 13 and, you know, or I went to work at a, uh, at a Popeye's chicken at 15. Um, They're hustlers. those people understand they, work yeah. ethic. Yeah. They, they want to get their, their hands dirty and get in there. That's kind of how it was for me. I started working, I would say around age 13, just doing little stuff, either working for my grandma, you know, she had a real estate business and I would help yeah. her do some filing and stuff like whatever it took to just make some money so I could yep. buy the things that I wanted to. That's a, yeah. I absolutely relate with that. You know, you've provided a lot of really good, really good things to think about. I think you've already provided a lot of words of wisdom. I always like to ask dads to provide some kind of words of wisdom. Here we are just, I feel like there's a plethora of information that you've already provided. But one thing that I do want to learn a little bit more about is given that, you know, you have two sons with autism, um, one with severe disabilities. Do you recommend any specific programs or uh, organizations that can typically help folks who may be looking for help? Yeah, and they're going to vary by disability and by state. I mean, there are a wide variety. Um, you know, there's uh, a group for autism called Autism Speaks, which uh, actually is based out of the Washington, D.C. area, and, and they provide uh, a whole lot of things. So, you know, the first thing you can do is go, you know, look specifically in your locale, uh, to see if there is a group that is in alignment with the disability your child has, uh, because they're going to be just a great source of both people connections as well as information. Um, you also want to look at what services are available through both your school system and through the state. And I will I will tell you right now that you know that is an uphill battle most of the time. That even if your, your child uh, is eligible for services, you've got to own being the advocate for your child because the school is not going to be an advocate for you. No state agency is going to be an advocate for you. Um, you've, you've got to make it happen and you've got to stick with it. Uh, and then, you know, I mentioned earlier Special Olympics. I mean, if, if your child is in the right uh, you know, has a has a disability that qualifies for that. It's a tremendous, tremendously rewarding experience. I mean, I um, 
as much as I complain. And literally, I mean, I thought it, my brain was going to bake today. It was so hot standing out there on that ball diamond. But, <laughs> it's hot down uh, here too, man. I hear you. But they, you know, I have I've developed, you know, great relationships with, you know, the other athletes that we coach and, uh, and Jan and I coach. I'm assistant coach for softball. I coach a basketball team. She coaches corn toss. Uh, I'm an assistant coach for cycling. She's on the board of our county Special Olympics. So it's wow. it's really been a great way to a the athletes enjoy it and you know they really get a lot out of it. But b it's a great way to connect with parents and you know be there for other parents and have other parents be there for you on the days you need it yeah something that you just said that i think really is important to keep in mind i think getting involved at the level that you guys are at where you're helping to coordinate or coach or whatever it is it makes a tremendous impact i'm sure with how you get to you know work with your kid as they're participating in those events um but also it's building that community that's fantastic stuff that is fantastic yeah. Because at the end of the day, it really is about them. And, you know, I always go back to this, you know, the stories you tell. And, and part of it is figuring out what that new story is going to be. And I was having I was having dinner with Katie. Uh, I was up in Chicago about two weeks ago, and I had dinner with her. And we're getting ready to go to Disney World um, in next month. And it, she, her boyfriend and his daughter and, and Jan and I and Jackson, and it was, it's for Jackson's 25th birthday. And, you know, I made the comment to her, I said, you, you know, you just got to remember that this trip is about Jackson and Annabelle. This mm -hmm. trip isn't about the rest of us. So, you know, if they're tired and want to go back to the room, it's not, Hey, no, let's go on one more ride. It's let's go back to the room. Absolutely. And I think when I started living his story and quit living my story is really where, you know, my, my whole world started to change because I was always trying, you know, I was always mad because we weren't living my story that I had written. And when I started helping them live their stories, that's when, you know, that's when the burden was lifted off my shoulders. And so when I look at, you know, what we're going to do, so Jackson and I will regularly go to an amusement park and we'll go to Kings Island or we'll go to Kentucky Kingdom. And I go into it with the fact that the, the day is about him. Right. You know, I, I'm there for him. I'm not going to go to Kings Island by myself. Um, so if he wants to ride this ride or he wants to go in this order of rides, um, okay, that's fine with me. He, if he's done at 5 p.m. and ready to go home, okay, well, it's time to go home then. Yeah. So, um, so I think both with small children, you know, like yours will, will be here in a few years when you start going out and, you know, enjoying adventures, you know, it's got to be about their story not your story absolutely i had my fun at disney we grew up going to disney gosh almost every year my mom is a huge disney fan and so that meant yeah. that we went all the time so i got to live <laughs> i got to live that out you know and and i can't wait to take aria and and just make it about her and i think that's what it's all about you know being a parent we make the ultimate sacrifice and and just make our lives about them and um it's it's really rewarding 
so far. I don't know. I've, I've been in it for for three and a half months, and it's been rewarding so far. Well, based on what I know, you what you've been doing and been trying, uh, you're you're heading her down the right road. You're giving her good exposure to things like swimming, and you're uh, as long as you keep it focused on her story i have the utmost confidence in you well i appreciate that steven you know you've been a a, a true inspiration hearing your story so i appreciate you you taking the time to share it you know other dads and and anybody who really listens to the show i'm sure is going to be impacted by it so um Thank you again for being on the show. And, you know, if you again, if you wanted to listen back to old episodes of The Dad Chronicle, as a reminder, you can go to thedadchronicle.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Our guest today, Steve Bullington. Again, Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Alex. All right. Take care. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.